Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Andy Berman, CEO and founder of Val, an AI-powered meeting platform that's raised $13 million in funding. Andy, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building, could we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Sure. So I started my career in venture capital. I worked at one of the oldest and largest VC funds out there. I started my first company about 10 plus years ago at this point called Nanit. Nadit is the leading video-based baby monitor on the market. We track breathing, sleep, and movement from a video feed. Google Ventures is our largest investor and super successful company there. And now I'm CEO and co-founder of Vowel. And so Vowel, we're a smart meeting platform. We're AI-powered. And we you after the meeting ends, you automatically get a summary, the action items, the next steps from the video feed. So I'd recommend everyone check it out at Vowel.com. Nice. I love it. And let's talk about that transition then from Nanit to Val. So were you CEO of Nanit? I was COO, Chief Operating Officer. Got it. And when did you leave there operationally to focus full-time on Val? I left there at the end of 2018. We started Val in, in early 2019. Got it. Was that hard to leave a successful startup that you had built, you know, to do something unknown and do something new? Or did it just feel like the time was right for you? It felt like the time was right for me. I thrive in uncertainty. And so I love the early stages, the building, the throwing ideas against a wall. So it was a great time for me. Nice. And I saw on LinkedIn that you were at Lehman Brothers at an interesting period, 2007 to 2009. I think some interesting stuff happened there. Oh, yeah. I swear it had nothing to do with the bankruptcy. <laughs> what was that experience like? Do you, uh, you know, deeply just remember everything that was happening? It's like PTSD, it never goes away. Um, <laughs> so I deeply remember everything that happened. I was on the West Coast in a small office in Palo Alto. So very disconnected from what was going on on Wall Street. But I can vividly remember the day we went bankrupt and the feeling and what it was like to watch. And then we were subsequently acquired by Barclays Capital. Wow, crazy. Now, a couple of questions that we like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. First one is, what CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Well, CEO Snowflake, I've read his book, Amp It Up. I think he has a very interesting management philosophy and I think he's just been proven so successful, specifically being able to take ServiceNow to the heights it was and then being able to take Snowflake public and continuing to grow that. I think he has a very unusual management style that takes businesses to $100 billion in market cap. And I find his books to be fascinating. Yeah, he's so fascinating. and so cool to read a book from someone who's actually operating in, in the trenches today. It's not you know, a management consultant and it's not a founder who sold a company 10 years ago. It's really someone who's you know, doing this stuff as we speak and as he writes about the book, which is super unique, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's written, I've only written the most recent book. I think he wrote another one in 2009, 2010 after Data Domain. But I think this is a continuation. So I, it's on my reading list for sure. 
What about other books? So are there any other books that have had a major impact on you? And this can be a, a business book like Amp It Up or just a you know, book that personally changed how you view the world and think about the world? So I don't read nonfiction. I am very weird. Uh, <laughs> I only read business books, basically. I liked Zero to One. I thought that was very good. I most recently read Amp It Up. I'm trying to think what else is on my Kindle. Yeah, I mean, Amp It Up is the most recent thing I've read. I'm going to have to open my Kindle app to figure it out what else I read before that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We won't put you on the spot there and make you dig. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so hard, right? And someone asks, what are you reading right now? I feel like everyone's brain just turns to mush and it's very hard to think about the titles for some reason. Yeah, definitely. I read Product-Led Growth by Wes Bush. Before that, I've actually got the app open right now. Amp It Up was the most recent book I read. Yeah. So that's why Amp It Up is fresh on my mind. I read The Great CEO Within. I think that's been a very popular book in Silicon Valley. It's a famous executive coach kind of playbook for a first-time CEO. I thought that was a very interesting book. And I, I can go on and on and list everything else that I've read and my Kindle library, but I think that'll bore your listeners. Yeah, yeah. I think we got a, a good idea of the types of books that you like to read from those, uh, those couple of examples. So Let's switch gears here now and let's talk about what you're building. So take me back to the early days and tell me about the origin story behind the company. Sure. So at Nanit, we very much focus on providing parents with analytics from video. So we track sleep, movement, breathing. We do it all from a video feed. We use computer vision and machine learning. We're quote unquote an AI company. But until last quarter, I would never have called any company AI company because my viewpoint was the consumer just thought AI didn't work. And we ran distributed. We had a lot of people in a lot of different locations. And we were always constantly searching for a conference room, catching people up just to work, move work forward. And so what ended up happening is we tried the modern video conferencing tools, whether it was Skype or Zoom or WebEx, and we just couldn't find a platform that actually helped us work the way we worked. So most of the time you're in a meeting, you have video open on one side, you have a document open the, on the other side, you're copiously taking notes. And I just thought there has to be a better tool out there that's much more focused on collaboration, how we work together instead of communication. And I, it was also a bet on distributed work. And so what we do at Val before the meeting Everyone contributes to a shared agenda. During the meeting, everyone stays engaged and energized with a suite of collaboration features. And after the meeting, that's the real magic. Instead of this repository of meetings, we give you instant, searchable, shareable content. And you can share with anyone who needs to know. You also get an instant TLDR of what happened in the meeting about seven seconds later. And we detect the action items and we give you the decisions and next steps. And we're integrating that. So in about a week, we're rolling out our Zapier integration. We're rolling out a whole host of other native integrations to the collaboration tools like Notion and Jira that you use. Mm -hmm. And when our customers talk about Battle, they talk about it as time travel because it really is the type of tool that you could log into after being out on vacation for a week and read the TLDRs from six or seven meetings to know exactly what happened. So that's Val in a nutshell. Wow, super interesting. And what was that like when COVID started for you? I'm guessing that had to have, yeah, cause a big uptick in users? So at the beginning of COVID, we were building our product. So we brought the product to market. 
in early March of last year, and we launched our AI features and functionality about two months ago. Mm, okay, got it. And obviously, there's some competition in this space, Zoom, Google Hangouts. You know, what are some of those features that you see users get very excited about when we compare against those competitors? Sure. I mean, there's a great quote on Twitter from one of our users, and he talked about how he'd never pay for video conferencing, never paid for Zoom, but the auto record, transcribe, and search functionality, that was so powerful for them at a company called The Brag Media. And that's why they signed up for a wall-to-wall contract with us. So it's customers who are focusing on the information that happened in the, in the meeting. How do you share it asynchronously with other individuals? And how do you extract the information out of it? That's where we went. And it's a different type of tool than just a generic communication tool. Mm, got it. And what does that look like in terms of when a company adopts the platform? Does this start with just a, a small team and you know maybe two people are using it to go back and forth and then that goes up into management? Or what does that adoption look like? It's typically a small team and then it spreads throughout an organization. We're bottoms up um, and we're self-serve. So people come to our website, they sign up for a product and they adopt it. And that's how people end up, and it, it typically grows in an organization organically, virally. And that's the most exciting part about it. And we focus on distributed teams. Typically, it's focusing more on product engineering and design folks. But we have functions throughout the company that adopt us. And they adopt us because we're a tool that helps them push work forward. And are there any numbers, metrics that you can share that just demonstrate some of the growth and traction that you're seeing right now? Well, our user base has, I think, tripled over the last 40 days. I'm not going to give you the numbers behind that, but it's been pretty fun to watch. And what do you think you've really gotten right? You know, where have you, or what have you done to rise above all that noise in this space? Because it feels like it's a, a pretty noisy space. Sure. So I think a lot of people actually talk about AI. They talk about a summary. They talk about instant notes from the meeting. And, but from what I've seen in terms of the products out there on the market, no one actually does it accurately. And so the meeting ends and seven to 10 seconds later, you get the notes or the summary of what happened and the action items and they're formatted and they're ready to go. And maybe it takes you 30 seconds to clean it up, but it's 85, 95% accurate. And that's very different from anyone else in the market. And I think other people, it compares to the magic that people have seen with chat GPT. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, you know, I use... um I guess I shouldn't name, but yeah, I use a, a different tool for AI meeting notes. And when I first started using it like a month ago, I was super excited. And then I actually started really reading the notes and realized that like it was maybe 50% accurate at best. And it was very difficult because it felt accurate. You know, like when you skim it, it looks good. But when you actually read the words, it's almost like it's nonsense. So I'm guessing accuracy there must be mission critical for you. Definitely. It's accuracy, but it's not just accuracy. It's what's actually important. And so anybody can try to build some kind of summary using some type of open AI model, but we do a lot more. So we build a lot of a custom AI ourselves, and we've just really focused on this problem from day one. So it's not something, it's not an add-on. And I can guess which one or two of the products you're using out there that you've had that experience with. And I've heard that actually from another podcast host from a podcast I was on last week said the exact same thing that you did. So for anyone out there listening and you're curious about our product, Val.com, we also have a coupon for 
three months free of vowel with the coupon code visionaries. Nice. I love it. Bringing value to the audience. Always. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. Now let's talk about market category. So I introduced you as AI-powered meeting platform. Is that a category and a term that others are already using and other platforms use to describe themselves? Or is that a category that you're really trying to create? I think in general, we're creating a different category and we play in a different category. If you go to our website on vowel.com, what you'll end up seeing is AI-powered meetings for fast-moving teams. And there is a new category here. Historically, most of the tools are focused on communication. And communication, you don't really care what it is. Is it FaceTime? Is it Zoom? Is it Meet? It doesn't matter. The only reason you're doing it on video is probably to see people. But when you're sitting there working together in a distributed way, maybe someone's not in the office today, maybe they're on a different floor, or maybe they're on the different side of the campus that's a 30-minute walk, you sit there and you're trying to move work forward. So you have an agenda, you have action items, and you have next steps. And those are the type of people we focus on. And we're creating a category to give you superhuman style efficiency from these meetings. And so we're trying to give people energy back in their day because Zoom fatigue is real. Absolutely. And what are you doing just in terms of activities or tactics to build that category and, and create that demand for something that people maybe don't know that they need yet? It's very interesting. I think there's a massive aha moment for people when they just land on our website and see the video. I think once you start thinking about never taking meeting notes again or automatically having a meeting summary, that gets very powerful. And I think everyone who's ever worked wishes there was somebody taking notes for them. Because if somebody's taking notes for you, you can pay more attention in the meeting. And the distractions are so much greater on video than they ever were in person. Your dog may bark, you may get a text message, there may be a pop-up notification or a Slack or a Teams notification. And it's so much harder to stay focused today. And so what we do is we give you that perfect recall. And that's very different than what everyone else is doing. Also, you know, everyone listening, I recommend to check out your site because you guys have just done such a killer job on your messaging. It's so clear what you do. It's so clear the value that you add. And I see a lot of startups struggle with that. You know, you go to their website and you know, it's even something that I bring on the show. I'm you know, doing my research before and I spend 10 minutes on there and I walk away wondering what the hell do they do? <laughs> I still have no idea, but you guys have nailed it. So how'd you do that? You know, what was that process like to really nail your messaging in the way that you have? Well, I think messaging is a very interesting exercise. So you can be very lofty with your copy and people may never understand what it actually means. My belief is the average user lands on your website and basically forms an opinion within, I don't know, 15 seconds, are they going to stay? And the messaging has to be clear. It has to be concise. People have to instantly understand what it is, that aha. And you want to do that with both objects and also the copy. And so you have this instantaneous moment of, land on my website and understand what it is. And so we've refined this so many times over, we're constantly testing it. 
And I think it's very difficult to get messaging right, but it's very easy to get messaging wrong. And where did this obsession with messaging come from for you? Because it sounds like you didn't have a marketing background. You were COO and obviously co-founder at the previous company. So where did you end up getting really involved in marketing and messaging? Sure. So I think at Nanit, we're primarily a DTC brand. So we're direct to the consumer. So we sit there and look at the conversion rate on a daily basis, or we did rather. And what we were always doing is we were always running tests on different messaging and different copy. When I learned the lofty, futuristic type messaging never converted. And maybe that's my category, but simplistic, getting the user to the aha instantly, that's what converted people. And we would test it. And so it just became a test and iterate type exercise. And there's always a hypothesis behind it. How do you describe what you do? How do you create that category? Category creation is a real exercise in itself. I think Qualtrics has probably done it the best of anyone out there. But when you're doing your own messaging, you have to take a hypothesis on it. And then you have to start driving traffic to your website and seeing the conversion rate and constantly iterate on it and see if you can improve it. Yeah, that resonates a lot, especially a lot of what I hear in the enterprise B2B marketing world is, hey, us enterprise B2B marketers need to be stealing ideas from the D2C brands and the consumer marketers because that's who really gets marketing right. That makes a lot of sense then as well. This is where you learned a lot of this stuff was at your previous company when you were marketing to consumers and you weren't marketing a enterprise B2B product. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're describing is a theme called the prosumerization of enterprise. And it's that enterprise buyers, they care about design now. They Mm -hmm. care about the messaging. And marketers have to adopt tactics from the consumer world. Everyone wants an enterprise tool that looks like it was designed by Apple, not that it looks like it was designed 25 years ago by IBM. (laughs) Makes sense. And it seems like that trend is slowly you're taking hold of a lot of these different markets and especially a lot of the founders that I've been bringing on lately where the status quo for them is this old, clunky, ugly enterprise software. And then you know, the, the new upstart is the beautifully branded, like you said, it, it looks like an Apple product. So for sure, it seems like things are headed that way. And it just makes logical sense that they would. Yeah, because people have the ability to choose their own tools today. I mean, what people talk about in IT is shadow IT. So do you actually know across your network or across your computers, what people are using, what applications on a daily basis. And today users have the power to install any web app, pretty much any app, and is your data in those applications. And so a small team can adopt something, it can grow in the organization, and then then the IT buyer ends up signing up for compliance and security features and functionality. So it's a real trend to build a product that looks like it was Apple or Slack designed it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as you've brought this idea to market, I'm sure you've experienced some challenges along the way. What would you say has been the greatest go-to-market challenge and how do you overcome it? That's an interesting question. Finding people where they are is always the most interesting challenge. Finding your early adopters, iterating on your product. And then you sort of get to a place where you understand you have product market fit or you have a semblance of it and people love the product experience. And what we've done is consistently iterated on craft and speed while building new features and functionality to give you that incredible product experience. And users notice lag, users notice performance, users notice when design is off. And 
Apple products always are incredible. And so we consistently focus on trying to iterate on our product and then iterate on our marketing message and find the early adopter user base. What we've done is we've partnered with a lot of great channel partners on their starter programs, whether it's Twilio or Techstars and you name it. And so we're trying to find early adopters where they are. And we want people who are coming in to use our product at the earliest days when they're choosing the new tools for their company. And last couple of questions for you here. What excites you most about the work you get to do every day? I mean, I feel like we're inventing the future every day. And I feel like I, I've been doing that for the last 10 years. It's challenging. I get to work with incredible people. My team is amazing. They constantly surprise me in how far they'll go to execute and just they go above and beyond. And so I just love the people I get to work with on a daily basis. And I love championing my customers. And really, I mean, there was a customer quote on Twitter where they say, Val saves them six hours of admin time per user per week. Now that's real. Meetings are expensive. They're the most expensive activity in your company. If you get four or five people together, how much does that hour actually cost? That could be thousands of dollars. And so I'm saving you that. And that's what we can provide for our customer base. And let's zoom out now into the future. So three years from today, or maybe five years from today, what's the company look like? And what's the impact you've had overall on your customers? Well, that's a great question. So I think you used to come to, or today you're starting to come to Val and you're searching for your information. I think three to five years from now, we're pushing the information to you. So any given moment at any given time will tell you what's relevant and give you in the moment the knowledge you need, whether it's in the meeting or after the meeting, to be a superhuman. And I think that's what AI can do. That's what our product category can do. And we're, we're digitizing one of the last spaces that's not digital today, and that's meetings. Amazing. I love it. Andy, I'd love to keep you on and ask you another 20 or 30 questions here, but unfortunately, we are up on time. Before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey, where should they go? Well, val.com is our website. I'm on Twitter and we kind of, we build in public. So at Berman66, also at ValHQ for the Val Twitter. And we have that coupon code for anybody who's listening out there. So the coupon code is Visionaries and that gives you three months free of Val. Awesome. Andy, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story and talking about everything that you're building. This is all super exciting and hope to have you back on in three years to talk about everything that's happened. Cool. Thanks, Brad. All right. Keep in touch. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 